So it was like me and like 30 girls all wearing like black free people dresses, <laughs> singing Defying Gravity. My name's Quincy. And my name's Kevin. And this is Sentimental Men from Theaterly. We are here to talk, and maybe scream, about our favorite women in musical theater. Hi guys, happy 50th episode! Quincy, I cannot believe. <laughs> 50? It, it really is crazy to think that um, we are here at the big 5-0, and we have been doing this for quite some time now. Quite some time. I remember being at episode 18, Stephanie J. Block, and wow. feel it, and we were kind of like, wow, like we did 18 episodes and and like we talked to Stephanie J. Block and like it, it, could, it could have felt complete at that point, you know? Yeah. I feel like there's been a lot of moments through the journey where like it could have felt complete. Yeah, but it never will. Yeah. Guess it's never really over. Do you think if the Barbie movie came out in 2014, Katy Perry would be the Dua Lipa track? Uh-huh. Yeah, probably. I think about it a lot, and I actually think she still should have been on this soundtrack. I wore my Katy Perry t-shirt to the movie in a, in solidarity. Yeah, there was a couple girlies that I was like, ugh, like, I wish she was, I wish the soundtrack was, like, three, like, three discs. Mm-hmm. I, it like does every, feel like... Every song is so good, and, like, I just yeah. want more of it. It's so curated and so good. Yeah, I was missing Katie, I was missing Taylor, I was missing Ariana. Those three really felt like they all could have had a moment on yeah. that soundtrack. You know what song I love is the um, the Sam Smith song. Oh, do you? Yeah, I think it, it's good at the gym. Okay, I can see that. It doesn't hit for me at this current juncture. Yeah. What are your you top three? Because I've been listening to the soundtrack a lot. Me too. It's okay. so good. What are your top three tracks? We started our 50th episode and then immediately launched into Barbie. Yeah. Well, it's topical. Um, <laughs> as of the day we're recording this, it broke one billion today. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Good for her. Good for her. I'm her glad story. that Margot Robbie, that like press narrative she was doing where she was like, when I pitched this movie, I told the studio that they were going to make a billion dollars. And like, maybe that was a little optimistic. I'm glad that that actually came true for her and she doesn't sound Me crazy. Too. She manifested that. But okay, um, my yeah. my top three songs. Number one, definitely Dance the Night. Is your number one? Is my number one, bitch. Wow. I love that fucking song. Yeah. It, think, it was a big grower for me. I was a little lukewarm yeah. when it first dropped, and then it has only grown in affection since. I just like, I don't know, man. It does it for me. I love a clap on 7-8. Mm-hmm. I love the disco vibes. Okay, what's next? I love the choreography. Um, next, I would say, well, unfortunately, I do think that Lizzo's song is a certified bop. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's say a great opening number. Huh? Say what you want to say. Listen, as engage. a song, as a song, uh-huh. it's a terrific song. No, I it's a great know. opening number. And for that, I like it. Um, and then my third favorite, I would say, is what's uh Oh, Barbie, you're so fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That one. Speed Drive. Charlie yes. CX. Yes. Which I is like kind of a runaway hit for her. She's charting again. Yeah, it's and on there's the, a rumor the that there's commercial be a music video. It's on oh, the car commercial. Oh, that makes sense. Which also, I love a Brit. I love. Mm, can you imagine the wicked marketing scale at this Barbie level? I hope they learned from Barbie. Oh, and like, I think everybody it. is learning. <laughs> <laughs> it's but abundantly clear. <laughs> um, tell um, me your top three songs. Because it, it does feel like movies are back. I went to see... I agree. I, in the same weekend, I did Barbie, Theater Camp, and Joyride like three days in a row. And after seeing Joyride, I was walking out of AMC and I was like, damn, movies are back. Are back, baby. <laughs> it's the summer of movies. I'd love seeing how excited everybody is by all of the practical sets in mm-hmm. in Barbie mm-hmm. just because we know so much of Wicked was filmed on big practical sets so I'm very excited to see that those excite people yeah cute anyways tell me your top three um it's tough I, I <clears throat> surprisingly because I typically don't resonate with this style of music <laughs> Ooh, it's good 
I've been listening to a lot. I think Laura Bell Bundy would sound really pretty singing that song, actually. I actually think that's a tough, a tougher song. Since it's in the zeitgeist now, I'm seeing a lot of TikTok covers. And it's a actually tough because it's very high and like is not placed in like a super flattering part of the register for like most females. It works for Billy, but what I realized it's like Because you not... have to be like you know, that whispery yeah. resonance. Yeah, it's hard. Anyway, um, I love anyway. the Heim song, Home, and uh, I yeah. think... Oh, what is it? Barbie dreams. Yes. I was saying to a friend today that I love how the like real world music feels like 2023, but then all of the like music, like internal character music feels like oh, music from Greta Gerwig's childhood. Mm-hmm. I you consume was... media in such a different way than I consume media. <laughs> In that Anyways, welcome to the 50th episode of <laughs> Sentimental Men. <laughs> so I just went to the Renaissance World Tour. It was, here's the thing. I feel like I'm not like a super proactive person when it comes to going to concerts and stuff. I kind of just assume that it will happen for me in the way, like I don't have it in me to It always buy happens online. for you week of. <laughs> yeah, like always. I don't, it's like a lot to like go through the Ticketmaster of it all. So I was like, I'm going to see Beyonce. I don't know how, but like it'll happen. And then the day before I kind of had a moment where I was like, oh. I still have not, like, tickets have not materialized for me. I guess I'm not going to see Beyonce. And then I started to feel really bad because I did see Taylor Swift this summer and it did not feel right for me to see one and not the other. Um, But then the morning of, my friend Ryan texted me and was like, hey, I think I'm going to get these tickets. They look like they're in good location. Well, at the time, I had read the text briefly and I had gathered, they look like good seats, they're cheap, I'm going to buy them. And I was like, yes, if you want to get, if you think they're good, I think they're good, let's do it. And so he buys the tickets and then we meet up to go to MetLife and we're sitting on the mm-hmm. train and he was like, I can't wait to see how these no view, no, li- uh, no view listening only seats turn out. And I was like, what? record scratch. <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> he had texted me that there were no view listening only. I missed but it in the conversation. Read. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we had to pick up our tickets at the box office and the whole train ride, we were kind of like, no, we'll, we'll have a view. Like, that's not going to happen to us. It's not, they're not going to be no Unless view Unless you're seats. behind a pillar. Yeah. And like, I'd seen some Twitter discourse and photos and people were like, the no view seats were blocked by like VIP risers or whatever. So like, oh, they, sure. they were no view. But like something, we were just being delusional and like, no, we'll have a view. It'll be fine. And did then, you know where the seats were? Or did uh, we, he like blindly buy them because Yeah, no, we no knew view. they were section 100. And I guess that was his logic. He like looked at the seating location on yeah. the maps and he was like, I just cannot see how this would be a bad seat. They actually look like incredible seats. Yeah. Um, so he was smart about it, but we had to get the tickets at the box office. So we were like, oh, we'll just upgrade at the box office. Like, we'll just ask the guy. And then we get to the box office and the guy hands us our no view seats and he flags to us that there are no view. And I go, yeah, are there any view seats available? (laughs) (laughs) And he like looks down, shakes his head and is like, you bought no view seats. I don't know what you were expecting. Like very serious, no no attention. This is a Beyonce concert. Yeah. So then we were like, okay, took our no view tickets and still we're like, it'll be fine. Like we'll have great seats. We get to our seating location. We were like in the fifth row, section 100. I can see if our seats had been like five <clears throat> to the right. She has mm-hmm. VIP risers on the stage that like, mm-hmm. I could see that blocking the main stage, but still you would have a good view of like the section out into like the main area of the concert. Yeah. But we had perfect seats. I kind of had the best seats than like any other gay that I knew was going I that know that bought their se- tickets in advance. Now knowing the story of how those tickets came to you, <laughs> I'm so impressed because you, everything you posted, I was like, of course Quincy's in these seats. Like, of course this is where Quincy sits when he goes to, to the Renaissance tour. But they were supposed to be the worst seats in the house. These, these like main character seats. It was so fun. Straight we, like, view. You got you saw Oprah. We saw Oprah walk so in with Gail. Jealous. Oprah was like Ryan really freaked out over Oprah and Gail. Like it was big for him. Yeah. <laughs> Truly night of my life and I wanna go again. Well, great. I'm glad you had a good time. Okay, so now that we've <laughs> 
gotten our non-Broadway discussion out of the way. Who are we talking to today, Kevin? Okay, so Quincy, today we are talking to Mary-Kate Morrissey. How fabulous is that? Big slide. It's I've, A lot of people have been requesting Mary-Kate from, uh, for lot. a long time now. Yeah, and it just, it feels like the right time. Mm-hmm. It feels like we're in this good groove of like talking to the current witches. Mm-hmm. She's current it all feels good. on Broadway. Current stand- oh yeah, so, okay, let me, let me explain to the listeners. So Miss Mary-Kate Morrissey, back in 2015, made her Wicked debut as an Elphaba standby on the second national tour. Uh, and then in 2017, she became the principal Elphaba of the second national tour. Then in 2019, she was in the original cast of the Mean Girls' first national tour as Janice, which of course then makes her the trailblazer of the Alphabet to Janice pipeline. Mm-hmm. Which we is love her for that. Which like is the pipeline that makes the most sense in my head. Yes. Like duh. Duh. You have the Wicked to Waitress, which makes sense. You have the Alphabet to Celine, but like Alphabet to Janice is really It really perfect. feels it feels good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Then over the pandemic shutdown, um, she and Jenna Claire Mason founded the Double Name Witches coaching studio. Mm-hmm. Then in 2021, she reopened the Mean Girls tour after the shutdown and then left the tour and was replaced by Lindsay Heather Pierce. And then in 2023, she is making her Broadway debut in Wicked as the standby for Alphaba, Miss Eliza Joy Fox. What a sleigh. And I gotta say, the I'm I'm glad she's in the Broadway company because Miss Mary Kate Morrissey uh, is great at the social media content of it all, and I feel she like her and us. Allie Trim backstage are really keeping us fed with uh, <laughs> the going ons that are happening in that standby yeah. dressing room on Broadway. Yeah, and for that, I want to hang you. out in that dressing room so bad. Mm-hmm. Feels like a very appropriate fiftieth guest. I think so, because she, in a lot of ways, has a very traditional wicked journey. Like she Mm. moved up through the tour and then up to Broadway and then presumably at some point, if she so wants to, she could be principal on Broadway. Yeah, it very much feels like we're still in the beginning of the journey, too. She takes us, yeah, she takes us through a very um, typical alphabet journey. Which is kind of retro in this day and age. I feel like Wicked has kind of shaken it up recently. I agree. Okay, cool. Let's get into this interview with Mary-Kate Morrissey. Mary-Kate Morrissey, thank you so much for joining us on Sentimental Men today. Hey, y'all. How's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm great. You're between shows right now, right? No, I thought that we had two shows today, and I even went to the theater, and then there was no... There was no line outside the... There's usually, like, a massive line, and there was no line, and I was like, wait a minute. I pulled up my rehearsal schedule, and we only have one show today, which is great. Oh, yeah. Because you guys are on a crazy schedule for the next couple weeks. Yeah, the whole the whole of J- July is just like not what I'm used to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mary Kate, I have to say you have been one of our most requested guests from the time we started this podcast. Really? Like yes. really and truly. I feel like every other week Hands we get down. a message asking to have you on. So I'm very <gasps> excited that you're here. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love that. Right. So we start every interview with how did Wicked the musical come into your life? Oh man. I was in high school, what, 2004, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I saw, I saw Shoshana being a Megan Healthy. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing the show and feeling like, I mean, the, their chemistry and the caliber of the performance that they were giving was so extraordinary that I remember thinking there's no way in hell I'll ever be able to do that, but that's all I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I was completely obsessed with playing Alphaba, with Wicked, with Broadway. And, okay. and and it was just like, but I didn't know anything about the stage door or bootlegs or anything like that. I was just like thinking about Shoshana Bean day and night kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who peasant? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Wait, so when you were in high school, were you already set on being a performer? When did that ambition come? Yeah, uh, my... Mm, it was the only thing I was ever really good at. And um, 
I, my pop used to sing on the Irish radio in Philadelphia, my grandparents off the boat. So I come from like a family of artists, but artists who lived in like pretty severe poverty. So that when I shot out, my parents were, my dad was the first of his family to go to college and he afforded me so many opportunities to like study and be in shows and things like that, that the whole family was kind of behind me, like, go, this is your Mm -hmm. destiny kind of thing. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's when performing started for me and, and I never really looked back and went to Syracuse for it. And I remember Julia Murney came and taught a masterclass and they had me sing the wizard and die for her. Stop. <laughs> and she was like, great. Like just open your arms like this when you do it me and then you'll book it. It's fine. Yeah. You got this. <laughs> I was like me, like a sophomore in college, just like Julia Murney cool, talking cool, to me. Cool. Like, wow. Okay. Because she went to Syracuse too. So she was back to sort of do her. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. So after seeing it, you was Alphaba the track? Did you know that Belty Rolls was going to be your thing? Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I, it took me a long time to figure out how to sing it, I think. Okay. Um, mm. Even like the first couple of times I went in, I sing like, like I grew up singing sort of Irish songs. So more bluegrassy or Americana or like lilty sort of things. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was working on a bluegrass musical at the time down at Signature for my first audition. And I went in and they were like, oh, you can't sing it. And I was like, cool, 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 great. I love that because now I can sort of release Mm -hmm. the desire to play this role and let everybody know that it's not going to happen and that's fine. And just like move on with my career. Oh, you were like done after one no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was relieved. (laughs) I was like, oh man, I really thought that I was going to have to fight. But I guess I don't love that Um, and then I signed with my agents and then I, I sort of knew that that wasn't really the case. And I knew in the back of my head, I was supposed to play it. So when I signed with my agents, I was like, I'm going to play, they have so many alphabets on their roster. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm going to play the role. And so you guys should rep me. Mm -hmm. And then, and so then they, yeah, I know. And then they put me back in for it. They were like, great. But it wasn't like, like the first time I went in, it was not a pre-screen. It was like an appointment. Mm -hmm. And was it for alphabet? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then I went, so then the second time I went in, they like bumped me back a couple levels. Stop. <laughs> so now you had to fight. So now I had to fight. So it was like me and like 30 <laughs> girls all wearing like black free people dresses, <laughs> singing Defying Gravity at the old Telsey office. And it was crazy. And I'll never forget. These are ser- lined up on the benches all the way down. Everybody in the same outfit. <laughs> everybody the same outfit and Caesar Rocha was like he had me sing Defying Gravity like eight times that cut and there were like 30 girls outside and I'm just Mm. like I'm just like okay I'll just sing it again I'll just sing it again and he like pushes my resume back and he's like well I'm not going to be the one who tells you you can't do it so (laughs) so (laughs) they sensed your determination yeah, hence I was like, okay, I guess I'll just keep going then. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Okay, wait, but so you got the feedback that you couldn't sing the role the first time you went in. Yeah. What were we doing in between auditions so that the second time around you were feeling better about it all? Not yodeling so much. Mm-hmm. Not like caressing. <laughs> Studying with like different people. Definitely yeah. like from vocally for me, that's kind of been like my hardest thing to get like I'm not I'm not you can put me in a crowd of normal people and I'm an excellent singer (laughs) right okay you can you can put me in a crowd of alphabas and I'm going to be the worst singer in the bunch you know what I I mean like that's true Mary Kate (laughs) I'm just saying like I that's not where my like big strength I'm not like I have to do this role because I it's a big thing and that's what I want that's not like what drew me to it Mm -hmm, originally mm -hmm. So like the vocal stuff has always been something where I'm like trying different things, learning more. So I started studying with someone after I was a standby mm-hmm. because I wanted to play the role full time. And his name is Matt Barnesworth and so many alphabets yeah, yeah, yeah. take with him. But um, he like changed the way I sing completely. And that's like the only reason why I feel like I have any sort of confidence in the show that I give now. Mm-hmm. Was this second audition the one that booked you the yeah. first contract okay mm-hmm. well then so i was gonna say so then once you're on tour when does the principal conversation start happening it didn't happen right away for me i i or even started, backing up did you want that right away i don't 
I, I, I didn't at the time. Mm-hmm. I was like thrilled to be a standby for Alphaba. I was thrilled to like do it a couple times. Absolutely shitting my pants every single time I'd go on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just, yeah. re- I mean, this is 2017. So this is like eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. No, 2015. This is 2015. So I'm like young and this is like my first big gig. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I stood by for Alyssa first. Mm. And then I stood by for Emily Cook. And so mm. I feel like I learned so much by watching these like great alpha buzz do the roles. But when I was done, I was done. I was like, that's cool. Great. Love that for me. Did that. Mm-hmm. Going to play the role 90 times. Going to go back to the city and wow. see what happens. And then I like did a couple gigs and I was like, you know what? I think I do want to do it full time. So I like mm. put my name back in the ring and they made me re-audition. Uh, even yeah, even though it, <laughs> we're still not sure. I yeah. did ninety bows, but that wasn't <laughs> enough. And, but uh, did you walk into this re-audition with a new confidence of like, okay, guys, we all know totally. I can do this. Okay. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely like it's my turn, like it's my yeah. time, and it does feel like that. Like in this world, I'm learning. There's all like Lisa Liguio, who is the associate mm-hmm. director, is very much like when it's your time, when it's your right. turn, mm-hmm. when it's your this. So. She's very like keyed into when people are ready and not ready, which is great. And when you go back yeah. in that second time, are you then feeling like you have like um, like you have cheerleaders on the other side of the table as opposed to those first and second times when you were fighting a little bit harder? Totally, totally. I think that having friends in the company and in management and Lisa being already wanting to give me the shot was. Mm-hmm something that I had in my favor. I do remember I was, and I was working on much fancier projects. So I was mm-hmm. get, getting more confidence and feeling more grounded in the artist that I was. And I'll never forget, I was doing this show, Home Street Home, with Allie Trim up <laughs> at the O'Neill. <laughs> and I took like the Amtrak train back down for mm-hmm. a callback. And mm-hmm. I went in the, and Lisa Brescia was playing my mom. Oh my show. God. <laughs> and so she was like, you can do it. But she was like giving me a pep talk, right? So yeah. it, there's so I was like everything is lined up. This is mine. Everything the vibes is lined are vibing. up. The vibes are vibing, and I go in with like my sides printed out, and I sing, and I'm like, I don't fucking know. Who knows if it's who know who knows? But I feel like it's mine. And then I'm sitting out in Times Square because it's right after Kelsey's office changed, and there's all this construction. I'm sitting on a thing, <laughs> and I see the girl who went in after me on the phone with her mom. And she goes, I don't know, mom, the girl who went in before me sang the absolute shit out of it. So I'm just going to go get like, and I was like, that was me. Like, <laughs> that's like, the reality me. show I want to watch. Actresses going into Telsey to audition for Wicked. <laughs> Dude. It's just ab- like a it's live terrible. stream of the front door of the building. <laughs> oh my God. I want to see everyone on the phone with their mom right after they get off the elevator. It's literally just harrowing. The things you'd hear. The harrowing. things you'd hear. Yeah, the things I've said to my mom, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so then I knew I had it. I knew I had it in the bag after that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when you took over full time, yeah, was navigating, because I imagine when you were going on a standby, you found a show, kind of a set show that was you were able to do. Was totally. navigating the vocals of it all difficult when you took over full time or had you figured it out as a standby? I only feel like I'm just starting to figure it out. Really? Yeah. I think that I think that I've matured so much with life experience and mm-hmm. study and a, a, just playing the role and like I think that I had this idea of who Alphaba should be and I felt like sh- nobody should ever know where I end and Alphaba begins. And that, like, wasn't actually giving her character enough credit. Like, she's a totally different person who goes on a totally different journey. And she has to be different than me. She has to know less than I know at the beginning and know more than mm-hmm. I do at the end. Kind of like... Oh, you were thinking... Yeah, I was, th- I was thinking this. Mm-hmm. And so in that, the singing was hard because I felt like I wanted to put every song, like, my heart in my throat. And mm. it, that's just too hard, like it's such a marathon. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So definitely better than when I was a standby, but not even close to where I feel I've like advanced to now. Like, I don't feel like in my show I'm doing like mental mechanics of 
how to get from point A to B, point B vocally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah, before yeah. it was always like a math game. Mm-hmm. But that like, lesson okay. of separating yourself from the character does feel like something that you learn as you get older and mature in the industry and doing this. Totally. And I think that's something we hear a lot from people who do several contracts, especially in a row. Mm. We hear a lot that it's like, you just like gotta, like you just gotta be able to, to draw that line. You have to, to like keep yourself safe because mm-hmm. Alphaba goes through so much. Like she goes through so much pain and so much heartbreak and like loss that I was like taking it on mm. in the show. Especially, and my best friend was playing Glinda. Mm. So like the two of us are like, in, in this, in in it, every single show, like yeah. life or death. Oh my God. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, yeah, I yeah. understand why people like loved us together because we were like every single show. We were like, let's give them the show of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. But it yeah. took such a toll on me. Which is very Shoshana and Megan Hilty. Yeah, of the two of you. <laughs> yeah. Which I love that full circle moment. For sure, it all ties back. Idolize her. Because then there's like a little Mary Kate sitting in that audience being like, wow, their friendship is so fierce. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever be able to do that. We did like one show in Indiana where the reviewers were like, well, we can tell they're friends in real life because during popular, because GC was, you used to do this like split thing. And then I would try to do the split thing after, but not all the time. I would like try to surprise her with what kind of split I was going to do. And then everyone listening knows this, but we're talking about Jen and Claire Mason right now. Jen and Claire Mason. (laughs) And she, (laughs) she broke and then I broke. And so then the two of us are looking at each other laughing and the Mm -hmm. audience is laughing. Like, and it is just like they're laughing, so we're laughing, so they're laughing, and it went yeah. on for. Yeah. <laughs> but far that's too what people long. live for. Everyone eats that shit up, you know. Live Magic for it, and it. we were like in yeah. the mo- like in the moment, we were like, "This makes total sense. Like, this is not bad." But yeah. the reviewer was like, "So they're good friends." We can tell. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. So, did you think principal contract on tour was your full circle end of Wicked journey, or once you've done the principal on tour, you're like, okay, now Broadway feels like we should just do it. I think I, I think I always knew I would stand by on Broadway. Okay. Yeah, because Lisa Why told me. Why specifically stand by? Because honestly, because Lisa told me she was like, whenever this, whenever a standby track opens up, like, mm-hmm. like I will be thinking of you because we think you'd be a great standby on Broadway. I was like, great, love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. That will be my. That's. You know, next, and and I know that not everybody goes through that sort of like traditional pipeline, but. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. feel like I've had so many like really important learning moments in each part of the journey yeah. that like it's working for me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like the sort of mm-hmm. trajectory of doing it the way yeah. the standby to principal standby to who knows, you know what I mean? What do you think you're learning? What's going to be your big lesson from this standby era you're in right now? This, the lesson now is the separating myself from mm. Alphaba playing her story and like I was so obsessed with making Elphaba really strong because she's green but I wanted her to be so strong but Mm -hmm. then like something has to change within her you know what I mean (laughs) something has to to change so she can start in a in a place that is the end of divine gravity Mm -hmm. so it's like kind of playing the sort of naivete of not uh, of of literally playing by the rules or coloring within the lines you know Mm -hmm. playing by everybody else's Mm -hmm. rules trying to fit in trying to be who everybody else wants her to be instead of being like no i'm elfman this is the you know yeah yeah, yeah. from the get-go that's cool from the get-go so really really trying to act the shit out of it in that way and like give a really round curved performance of pointe to there's a big change to the finale that's really fascinating. We just had um, Kimber on and she was talking about the dressing room antics and the funniest part was she was like, yeah, you know, when they're not on, it's like I'm the only one working here and coming back to the dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be like, you guys weren't listening to me because every day, you know, there's the, the train station scene yeah. where she's like, Elphaba, yeah. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. We both are. I'm sure father will be too or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she'll do like a different alphabet intonation. And oh. if she goes like really extreme with it and we don't hear it, 
she says. She's like, you are listening? You, I did that for you. <laughs> Forget the 2,500 people out there. This show's for us. That line was for you too. I know. Because she'll go, oh. So what is your show like backstage as a standby, having done the role for so long? Mm. Um, it really depends on the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like when, but you are mean you when singing I'm not along on? with the show every night, I guess, is my question, or are you fine? No, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like a twice a week. Okay. Especially if I get notes. Because mm. I, I, I really mm-hmm. like to be like a by the book, like if it's not broke, don't fix it. Alphaba, like mm-hmm. try to give Wicked what Wicked wants mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. while also like rounding it out with my own interpretation, but really like trying to stay as close to the notes as possible that mm-hmm. I get. So usually like twice a week, I'm running, running the big numbers, especially mm-hmm. if I want to like try something new or if something's giving me a problem, like some, some, depending on the weather, something will be an issue. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, got to figure this out. Less depression, yeah. more air, whatever it is. But Ali Trim and I are doing that as well. Or Kimber and I have been up there trying to manipulate the end of The Wizard and I just think through mm, it. And yeah. the three of us hang out just the whole show, which is <laughs> really, really fun. Yeah. yeah. So grateful and lucky. But yeah, I, I definitely sing at least twice. And then I'm usually on once or twice a week too so the other shows i'm just like recovering usually it bounces out yeah does it feel weird to be going from having doing it every night to now going on once or twice a week no welcome change a welcome change it feels it feels like i get to like find a more mature well-rounded thorough specific version of her Hmm. at a pace Mm. that's really digestible like Mm. I am not like that's why I I think being a standby before doing the role full-time is so helpful because I really get to like do a show and see what works and then between Mm -hmm. that show and the next show figure out what didn't work and like Mm -hmm. fix it try something else and then have time to think about it without being like well I'll just like when I was the principal, I was like, and something wasn't right or I messed something up, I'd be like, I'll get it tomorrow. I'll do yeah. it. I'll try something in tomorrow or whatever. It just like yeah, would pass yeah. me by. But these shows that I have now, I like really cherish and mm-hmm. like see as like this singular experience that I can learn from. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I definitely welcome it. The other thing is that like when you're playing Elphaba full time, you are always trying to find ways to get back to the show. Like, your whole day revolves around getting to the show. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. being quiet, doing your workout, taking your supplements, steaming. Like, and my day doesn't right now. Yeah. And <laughs> like, <laughs> I have a life and I'm married and I am also a teacher. And so I, when I am on for a long period of time, I know that I have rest on the other end. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I was mm-hmm. in the principal contract for a long time, I always kept looking for rest and feeling like I was never going to find it. Yeah. Mm. But like being a standby, you're always recovered. You always get recovery. How has your mental health journey been throughout your entire experience with this show? Because I'm getting the sense that you have your feet on the ground. You feel very zen about everything. Yes. But I was not always this way. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Broadway standby headspace. This is the Broadway standby headspace. I'm like, I have to be zen. Mm I like... I'm always ready. I'm always recovered. I'm always like thinking about it in this way so that I have like a really positive attitude and not feeling so much FOMO. Mm -hmm. Um, But like when I was doing it full time, I had four mid shows Um, Mm. and two of them were, I mean, I know this is like a fun, fluffy podcast, but two of them were pretty devastating where I literally thought I was going through a mental break and separation from my voice and I had gotten a vocal massage and tried to do the show that night and literally could not sing which Mm. I didn't know was normal Mm -hmm. and then like it just felt like such public failure like Mm -hmm. so much so much public failure that I had to work through post contract and thank god I had been a player yeah and I I think that it's really easy for some girls but, and it was not easy for me. It mm-hmm. was 
it was really challenging. So, so now I'm, now I'm older and wiser and have sort of thought about what is important, what is worth the money and the final bow and what's not, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was, we talked to Nicole Parker a while back and she said that the most devastating thing is calling out mid show because there's just something about it that makes you feel like such a failure. Such a failure. And then it takes so long to get back to like zero Mm. because Mm. like, then you're thinking about that time, that part where you said the wizard and ah, Um. and then (laughs) you're like winding up for it. The show's after wondering if it's going to come out and you're having these like mini panic attacks the whole time. Did you ever have a mid show as a standby? Yeah, I covered three. Then going through it from the other side as a principal, mm. then like, were you thinking about your standby at all in totally. that moment? Like, oh, I went through this and now I'm making What is it like from this. the standby point of view? Because I could also see that being comforting, having experienced it as a standby and being like, wait, I didn't sure, think it was sure. that big of a deal when my principal mm-hmm. called out mid-show, you know? It definitely was comforting because right. like, I mm-hmm. like having covered the mid-shows made it feel like, it just happens. It just happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't happen mm-hmm. to everybody, but at the time that I was doing Wicked, both of my alphabets had it had happened to, and the alphabet before that. So I was like, of course, it just happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember yeah. Alyssa's was like, so she was like, see you tomorrow. And I was like, okay, great. Like it was just like that quick, boom. Mm-hmm. And then and then with uh, M, it was the same thing. She was like, later, dude. Can't do it. See you later. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So that definitely like made me feel better about it, but it's, it's such a triumph for the standby. It's like, she really gets to come in and show what she's there for and Mm -hmm. save the day. But it is only because of a big fail, you know? That is true. Cause that is like the reason the standby is there, you know? Yeah. Which like, thank God we have standbys. Thank God that I get to be one, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I do want to talk about... Something we hear a lot from the Alphabuzz is that the hardest part about this role is the yelling that yeah. it takes. However, I do think you're a pretty yelly <laughs> alphaba, and I would love some insight in a great way. I would love some insight on the choice you make when you yell, I'm the one you want. Or it's not her. She has nothing to do with it. That part, I think, is really inspired. Oh, my God. It just feels like a... It's hard to, what about, It just I mean, feels so guttural and it's like the most visceral yeah, pre-flight yeah. speech I've heard. I just don't know how I could do it another way. I'm sure that if I was doing it full time, I would have to figure out how to do it another way. But I don't mm. know how I would just say like, I'm the one you want. Like the W's, I'm the one you want. Like it's, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. it's fucking, mm-hmm. it's me. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah. and you're also saying, leave my best friend alone. Mm-hmm. Get off, get the mm-hmm. fuck off her. Well, and that's the thing. It's like very like, oh, Alphabet is mad right now. Like she is she's pulling that broom down. Well, the guards have (laughs) literally grabbed her best friend Mm -hmm. or like throwing her around and she's about to take flight for the first time in her life. (laughs) It's high stakes. It's it's high stakes. It's a big moment. The stakes have got to meet the need. (laughs) You know what I mean? You got to pick and choose when you use Mm -hmm. that yell. I know. And that for me is one I'm not ready to lose. All, you know? all to say, well, I think it's a really of, great choice. Yeah, because it like elevates you into that flight, lack of a better word. <laughs> it's like it, it bridges the gap between firm speaking and then belting. So if you care to find me, it's totally. like you get that easy transition. Uh, I love it. It's also like that's what musical theater is, right? Like the emotion mm-hmm. is so overwhelming that the character has no other choice but to sing. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. as you're ri- to ramp into this big epic moment at the end, I feel like there has to be some like, <sighs> like, yeah, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so while we're on the topic, are you mm-hmm, a Wizard mm-hmm. and I defying gravity or no good deed alphaba? Can mean whatever you want it to mean. All we ask mm-hmm. is that you explain why. I am a a defying gravity alphaba because I feel like in many ways in the show right now that is my big focus mm-hmm. have and you always that, been a defying gravity alphabet yeah that's what no, i was thinking. no 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 i think i was definitely like a wizard and i alphabet wow interesting um, that's a rare answer so you're progressing as you go through these yeah changes. that's how i feel i feel like i'm definitely like 
like I feel like I started as a wizard and I alpha, but like kind of naive, unknowing, like bubbling up, like not aware of the danger ahead of her. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, everything's great. This is so yeah. fun. She I'm doesn't know what a vocal massage is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? I'm in um I'm in Toledo, Ohio. You know? <laughs> like, everything's great. Um so I think I started as that Elfie and now I'm like in my defying gravity Elfie moment, which is like I'm I'm taking that girl with me but turning into something completely different and much uh-huh. stronger and much like in a lot more ownership of who I am as a person and also like who I am in this role. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. That's a very great answer. Can we switch gears and ask about Mean Girls for a second? Yes, totally. Do you have a crazy audition story for that? Or am I making that up? No, I do. Because I was supposed to go in for Regina George. Oh. To replace Taylor Latterman on Broadway. That would actually slay. Honestly. Oh. It would have slayed. But I, I, I called my agents. I was like, there's no way in hell. Like, you guys. There's like, there's no way in hell. Why? And I just was like, that's just, I just knew when I saw Mean Girls, I saw Mean Girls when I got back from playing Elfie full time. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. my next gig. I'm going to play Janice. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so easy. That's it. Janice like, is very coded too. Yeah, it is. I was like, yeah. wow, <laughs> this looks like the same thing, but easy. Like, <laughs> And I get to sit and I don't have to get there early to get painted. <laughs> I was like, well, what could be better? I could change myself. Like, I... <laughs> changed myself i mean my clothes yeah. i was in charge of putting my own shoes too? on yes uh, <laughs> it was amazing so i so my agent called me he's like just for the love of god buy something pink and like like do not he was like do not wear sneakers to this audition whatever you do it's like put on a heel i'm like and i was leaving the next day to go work on a project in denver so mm-hmm. i had to like and the audition was that day. So I was leaving there to go to the airport. God. Uh. So I had to like bring shit that, anyways. Mm-hmm. So I'm like in my, I had like a pink suede leather jacket and a pair of like white snakeskin boots. And that was like the girliest I had, which I felt worked. <laughs> so I go in and I, the door opens and it's um, Lauren and it's Tina Fey and it's mm-hmm. Mary Mitchell Campbell and it's, Casey Nicola and Casey. It's like everybody. In this Stressful little audition room. room. Honestly. For a first. Yeah. I, honestly, for a first, I was like, what has happened here? I feel like we skipped the... Coming from Wicked, I was like... I skipped some... Like, I was like, Tina Fey, nice to meet you. Big yeah. fan. Yeah. Um, great, let's do this. So then I sing... I sing the Regina packet and Tina's like, can you just hold on for a second? And she's like, do you have the Janice packet? And I'm like, I don't have the Janice packet. I asked for the Janice packet. I think I'd <laughs> be a great Janice, but you guys were set on seeing me play Regina. And she was like, <laughs> she was like, do you know it? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I yeah. sing. Once or twice. Yeah. I'd rather be me. Okay. And then I cold read the sides. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like red in the face, just like mortified, just like, great, thanks. She's a scum, sucking, fart mouth, life ruiner. There, you have it. See you later. And then I'm in line at security, <laughs> and my agent calls me. He's like, they want you to go on the road as Janice. You're like wow, the first person they cast. Wow. And I was that like. That fast. That fast. Wow. And were we wow. happy about going on the road again? I had just gotten back. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not doing that. So <laughs> I was like, I'm not. I was like, I almost died out there. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be in New York. I almost died. <laughs> I need to be in New York. You know, I mean, yeah. I've toured for 10 years now. So mm-hmm. I'm like, geez, Louise. And he's like, it's eight months away. It's eight mm-hmm. months away. By the time it comes mm-hmm. up, you're going to want to do it. Right. And good so, agent. Good agent. And yeah. he was right. He was so right. Because I was so early to be cast, I did all the press stuff, which was so mm-hmm. fun. Right. And then working with Casey Nicola so closely has made me... An infinitely better actor than I was. Yeah, what was it like? Cause we all hear that Alphaba is very, you only get a couple options of like wiggle room and, and you can't stray too far, like you were saying, from like the prototype. Totally. What is the difference of that and then like starting the tour and like you said, getting to work with Casey? Totally. Because I remember like when, find your Janice. when we talked to Stephanie Block when she originated the Wicked tour, I was surprised at how mm-hmm. much leeway and freedom she was given. Because you think it's kind of set on Broadway. They would just move mm-hmm. it over, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Stephanie J. Block. Man. <laughs> I wear some of her costume, and it's like... <gasps> what are you wearing? I wear her white jacket. <gasps> and I wear Julia Murney's Defying Gravity dress, and I wear Carmen oh Cusack's Snow dress. Like, I do oh feel God. like... <laughs> I know. My costumes, I'm like, I am with the strong women of Wicked. Like... Oh my god! Wow. I know. Wow. I'm like, thank don't you for the moment of reverence that you took for her. I saw it happen. She, I, I am obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. But and you guys are too, which I love that. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I mean, it, with Wicked, they're like, just make sure you're on go from three to five to zero. Go make sure your toes are on the trap. Like, don't run too far down. So you're yeah. always sort of like trying to connect the dots with why exactly am I going this way, but motivating it on your own impulse mm-hmm. and, and just trying to stay within the lines as much as possible. Yeah. And Casey would be like, so you're going to like come around and then sit over here. And I'm like, great. How do you want me to do that? He's like, I don't know. MK. How would you do it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is this? <laughs> and I was like, you want me to just like do what I think Janice would do? And he's like, are we in rehearsal? <laughs> And so that was like such crit. That was like truly it's like a different hat you had to put on. Oh my god! But it changed my brain chemistry. I was like, "This is what rehearsal is." Like, mm-hmm. I get to, <laughs> yeah. I get to figure this out for myself. And he was so Casey Nicola. If you're like, if you ever get to work with him, you know it's like he's just this. Like, he inspires you to really bring yourself to the character in a way that like makes sense, obviously, but it's so affirming. Mm-hmm. That you just try shit that feels risky, but he's like, yes, no, yes, no, it's what it works. And I'll never forget the first time I sang, I'd rather be me in the rehearsal. He was crying, just wow. crying. And I'm looking at him like, this is my boss. <laughs> like my, yeah, yeah. M- my boss likes what I'm doing and I did it myself. Like, holy. So it totally so now coming back to Alphaba after like having a significant experience like that, I'm like, oh, I fucking know what I'm doing. I know what she's going right. through here. You know what I mean? After flexing that muscle of making those choices and like trying different motivations and things, do you feel like you can bring that into your role as a standby now and kind of explore within the lines a little bit more? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because it could even be as much as something like tempo, like... Like you're, you have to stay at one place, but what is like the tempo of your body, like the tempo of your body Mm. doing, instead of just like doing whatever, really being super specific with things that are, Mm -hmm. that are uh, of use to you, like your Mm -hmm. body, your instrument and space to Mm -hmm. tell the story. Yeah. I definitely think that like having that confidence and that experience has totally changed the game for me. And that's really interesting too, because I feel like a lot of times the focus of like the uniqueness of somebody's performance rests on vocal choices but it's really interesting to hear you say that you have that or find that freedom in kind of exploring the physicality of the role that's like really really cool I think completely like I know that I'll never be the best song alphabet like I know that like people I know that I know that like my (laughs) I know that my bootlegs are not going to be like the like, oh my God, listen to this. You know what I mean? I don't like, know. I a think reason... you're too in it. <laughs> no, there's a reason why you know about something I'm doing with a line. Mm, oh, okay. You know what I mean? The box that I want to check is that she, I, I want her to grow through the show. Like, mm-hmm. I want you to literally watch somebody grow into their power and into themselves. Like, I want you to see somebody who doesn't have it together and then ends with living the life that she's chosen for herself, like living a life that she was born into versus living a life that she's chosen for herself. So I think the box I want to check, like selfishly, the box is that I found fear. (laughs) (laughs) Someday, someday that box, that's one of my boxes, honestly, that someone says, wow, you sounded amazing Mm -hmm. because it's like obviously my complex. But like, yeah, because people are saying that. <laughs> like when you're only on once in a while, you want to be like, yeah, I listen to how good it is. Mm-hmm. Fresh. Um, make, I want to make you miss it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. But I, I think the box that I want to check most is that she is in charge of her story and she changes. Mm-hmm. 
And then with the fellow, with the actors that I'm with, like, I think the box what I want is that I'm not a selfish actor, that I'm a team mm. player, even though I'm playing Alphaba, like that every, every interaction with another actor on stage is meaningful and is what drives the story forward. Mm-hmm. And it, there's nothing to throw away just because someone else is in a scene with me and I'm not doing no good deed. And I feel like I've gathered that covering the role and standing by for the role instills that team player offstage morale mm-hmm. thing in an actress. Yeah, I think so. Mary Kate, this has been very, so much fun. Interesting. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Oh yeah, I gotta go to the show. Yeah, thank you for doing this. <laughs> there is a show this time. <laughs> there, there is a show. There is yes, a show there... tonight. <laughs> yes, yes. There but is. look, separation. You didn't even know if there was a show or not. <laughs> Look, check this off my Wicked Box. I'm on the Sentimental Men podcast. I, know. <laughs> I feel like I've actually made it. I'm a real alpha oh my now. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you for doing alpha. this. We really appreciate it. This is so much fun. Thank you. Right on. Thanks, you guys. Quincy, I am in love with her. I'm like a big fan of Miss Mary Kate Morrison. She is so cool. Like, I want her to like me so bad. Yeah, I was just like, this, she's chilling. She shows up to the theater when she doesn't even have a show. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Like, to me, she is swaying and sweeping, mindless. And, <laughs> like, she is just like, just going with it. She's so cool. I want to be her friend so bad. Quincy, you know, may I point out something that I loved about talking to her? I was very interested in her belief that her vocals come from a place of acting and not necessarily as like a singer first. Mm -hmm. Very Jackie Burns coded. Very Jackie Burns. I thought that was really interesting. And then when you were like, no, 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 girl. Mm -hmm. We love your voice. We love when you do this. And she was like, yeah, but that's an acting choice. Yeah, that was- I was gagged. (laughs) Clocked me. I just wanted to flag on record that the vocals are very much there with the Mary Kay Morrissey. There. Yeah. I know. Yeah, that was really funny, though. I love when somebody is so good at something, and then they're like, oh, yeah, like, mm-hmm. I'm not really thinking about that. Yeah, because even the Jackie Burns being acting first, when her vocals were, like, I think she is one of the Elphabas to be known as having very solid, solid vocals in the role. For sure. And to hear her too say that she approaches it from an acting perspective and the acting of it all is what helps the vocals. Yeah. Always so fascinating how these artists work. I loved finding out the the playing, the like piecing together of the puzzle of the costumes that she wears from <gasps> past Elfies in the show. Oh my God, I think it's so cool. I want to go to the storage so bad. How cool. I mean, she hit like the trifecta. What was it? It was SJB's Not That Girl Coat, uh-huh. Julia Murney's Defying Gravity Dress, mm-hmm. and Carmen and Cusack's what? What was Carmen? It was, there was something Carmen Cusack. It wasn't the Act 2 dress. Was it shoes or something? I don't know. I forget. But yeah, a holy trinity. And good juju to have on you. Yes. We were just talking about that with Olivia too, about she wears somebody else's shoes and she feels like she's grounded in that person. Like, it's, I just think it's a cool, unique thing to inherit a costume from somebody mm-hmm. because there's so much juju, like you're saying, like mm-hmm. living in that fabric. And especially cool now when like the generation of girlies going into the show grew up with Wicked. Idolizing. Right, where I'm like, I imagine in the earlier days you're stepping into another actress's costume. It does not carry the same weight as like stepping into that now, you know? Yeah, right. Like you're... You're Shoshana Bean and you're like, oh, Eden, yeah. Like, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like, at that point, they're they're peers with each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. But now... They're legends. Cool. <laughs> uh, also love to know that Stephanie's costumes are still in rotation. Also, I'm like, how are those costumes cared for that they can last that long? I know. Shout out to the, the wardrobe team on tour, because that's a lot. So, moving into Broadway Con... One of the first panel, the first panel we did was uh, a greenifying panel with Talia Suskauer and Krista Kaimimoku Wong, who we love. We have to have her on this podcast. She is officially one of my favorite women in musical theater. 
She's the makeup artist backstage at Wicked. Mm -hmm. The singular makeup. As we learned. It's just her the whole show. Painting alphabet green, putting fake beards on people. But yeah, like we met her and I was immediately like, oh, she slays. Well, and when you when you realized she was from Hawaii too, yeah. watching you two make that connection. Was she immediately like, slipped into speaking pigeon too. I loved it. It was, yeah, it was, I'm obsessed. Yeah, we have to have her on. This is, this is a formal invitation. Um, but anyways, I guess my point with bringing that up was it was one so incredible to see like the makeup happening so up close i never thought i would be able to yes. see that in my life Same. um seeing it up close and hearing about all of the protections used so that the makeup doesn't like smear and she doesn't rub it off on people mm -hmm. you see it and you're like okay yeah but surely this is like coming off just like by nature of sweating and doing the show so it's crazy to me that like a white coat like that i'm not that girl coat uh -huh. can last for so many years mm -hmm. when there is so much like happening you know just because like i know i I can't even, I try not to have white in my wardrobe because I just have not found a way in my 26 years of life to like keep white things white. Also like when you don't have a laundry machine or a washing machine, like you have laundry in your unit. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Moving out of the first panel, which was so much fun. So we did two panels on uh, Friday. Friday. So Friday morning we did that green fine panel and then we walked through the Marriott Marquis with Talia Suskauer in a robe in full alphabet green. Took mm -hmm. her down the escalator, went to the lobby bathroom where she de-greened in the sink. Uh -huh. <laughs> Yeah. And then we went straight to do a main stage panel, The Witches of Wicked, with mm -hmm. Alyssa Joy Fox, Amanda Jane Cooper, Haley Pachoon, Talia Suskauer, Jenny Denoya. That it? Two girlies who went into the show principal first contract. No uh -huh. working their way up. And three girlies who I think like really worked their way up and really like, did, did that yeah. traditional route that we talked about. And so it was cool to be able to like talk to hear both sides of the fence and like hear the different experiences. I thought it was cool that there were a couple of them who had done the show together at different points mm -hmm. because then it was really cool, specifically Jenny, because she has probably the most touch points of anybody, but to hear her answer a question and then have Haley kind of like reaffirm her answer and be like, oh yeah, like I was with you at that point. Yeah, and it was cool to see the Haley and Jenny uh, friendship dynamic in real life. Yeah. Those girlies love each other. They sure do. I liked doing the main stage panel a lot, though, because it kind of did just feel like doing an episode. Like, we kind of stuck to our mm -hmm. typical shtick, at least. And so it, I felt more at ease during the main stage panel. The weekend went so smoothly for something that, yeah. like, I was pretty stressed out about of about the like morning of. I don't know, man. I love talking to more than one person at once. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun, I think. Especially 50 episodes in. <laughs> Especially, how many times can we <laughs> I'm gonna say this because it's the 50th episode, so I feel like I can get a little mushy. Mm -hmm. but I had a moment when we were sitting behind everyone while they were singing and oh, we were yeah. just like having fun and like sitting there and these girlies were mm -hmm. in front of us. I did have a moment where I was like, bitch, who are we? Like, what is <laughs> happening to us? I did love that we got to do that because it wasn't planned. Like, I don't think we didn't walk out there being like, we're going to sit and watch. No, we perform. decided at the moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. but then when we introduced Haley and she came out, I was like, wait, I want to watch this. I don't want to like walk off stage right now. So we just sat yeah. and it ended Who's up being so much freaking fun. It was really fun. You know, what's funny is I feel like we've been doing this for a long time, but then one of my friends was like, when did you start this podcast? And I was like, oh yeah, like during the pandemic. And they were like, wow. So it really hasn't been that long. I thought this had been going on for a while. And in my mind, yeah. that is kind of a long time ago. It feels like a long time. Two years. Three years. Wow. Well, it'll be three years this wicked day. That's really crazy. Yeah, I feel like that's a long time to keep up something that <laughs> we were just like, to keep up something that we were just like, hey, I'm bored. You're mm -hmm. bored. I don't know how people who podcast like who like release an episode every single week because there are podcasts that I listen to that have been doing it for like ten years, releasing every God week. Bless. I don't know how that happens. Thanks for um, putting up with it our infrequency, be. guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. All right, see you next week. 
You've been listening to Sentimental Men from Theaterly. This episode was produced by Quincy Brown, Kevin Bianchi, and the team at Theaterly. Thanks to Anthony Abitangelo, the most swankified podcast editor in town. And another thanks to Michaela Reynolds for making us look downright osmopolitan in our new key art. And to Julia DeMarzo for our logo design. If you want to get in touch, send us an email. We love to hear from you all. You can reach us at sentmenpod at theaterly.com. That's T-H-E-A-T-R-E-L-Y. You can also connect with us across social media on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at SentMenPod. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time, I'm Quincy. And I'm Kevin. This is such a cool thing. Yeah. And I'm so happy we got to do it together. (laughs) I'm not in a sentimental mood.